An unborn child. Now, late today, LA County District Attorney announced criminal charges against the driver accused of causing that horrific crash. Our KCAL 9's Jasmine Veal live outside the courthouse right now in downtown LA, where that nurse is expected in court, Jazz. Yeah, she is, Leslie. Now, the district attorney, George Gascon, charging her with multiple counts of murder, saying that her conduct was so egregious. I did just step out of the courtroom here, where any minute now we are told that 37-year-old Nicole Lenton will be making her first court appearance. I saw family members of one of the victims, Reynold Lester, sitting inside of that courtroom. Uh, also, if convicted, if she ends up being convicted on all of those counts, we're talking about 90 years to life in prison. There's catastrophic damage to the families and friends of those killed and injured. Inside the Hall of Justice Monday, L.A. County District Attorney George Gascon laid out the charges against Nicole Linton. Six counts of murder, which includes an unborn child, and five counts of gross vehicular manslaughter for the five people who died. The law does not allow this charge for an unborn child. Today we are going to be filing criminal charges in connection uh, with last Thursday's tragic crash that killed six people 
and injure six others. The Houston native and a registered nurse was the driver of a gray Mercedes-Benz that Gascon says careened through a red light around 90 miles per hour at the intersection of Slauson and La Brea Avenue last Thursday. The fiery crash killed six people, including pregnant mother Ashray Ryan, her unborn child, and her 11-month-old son Alonzo. Her family is calling for the maximum penalty possible. Reynold Lester was also in the car with Ryan, his pregnant girlfriend, on their way to a doctor's appointment when their car was hit. A young family was destroyed out of blink of an eye. In all, Gascon said at least six cars were struck. Two women in a Nissan Ultima were killed. They have not yet been identified. Tabia J. Johnson says she was in the intersection in her car and witnessed the horrific crash, posting this video to social media minutes after. The car that blew um, next to me. That lady is fine. She's alive. She's bleeding. She's bloody, but she's okay. Gascon says right now there is no evidence of alcohol use as CHP is still trying to find witnesses who may have been with Linton leading up to the crash. Linton was arrested Friday morning as she remained hospitalized at Ronald Reagan UCLA Medical Center. She was then booked into jail and is being held on $9 million bail. Again, six vehicles, other vehicles were involved in this collision. Five people with minor injuries inside of that SUV along with another driver. CHP is investigating live here in downtown Los Angeles. I'm Jasmine Beal for KKL My News. All right, Jasmine, thank you. A surprise plea deal. To you could go to Grand.
Susan, there's been a vigil here every single night since that awful crash on Thursday, but tonight the biggest one because that's how affected people are by this incident. The emotions continue to roll in for those affected by the Windsor Hills crash. The family of Reynold Lester, a part of the vigil for the sick killed in the fiery crash. His body is cremated on a corner. <laughs> for what? Lester's aunt revealing they all saw the video before news of his death. We had to watch that accident so many times on the internet, not even knowing it was our own family. 
we pray for that family. We pray for the victims, not even knowing it was our own family. Later on, we get the news that it is our own. It is my nephew. How do you wrap your head around something like that? You don't. Five of the six killed have been identified, including Lester, his pregnant girlfriend, Asheray Ryan, and her 11-month-old, Alonzo. He treated that child as if it was his, and that speaks to the value of what type of man Reno Lester was. He take care of a child that was not his and was excited to start this family. As for the driver who started the chain reaction crash, 37-year-old Nicole Lorraine Linton is currently being held on $9 million bail, but is expected to be charged for the deaths in the coming days. It's tragedy on both sides, and I'm hoping that our community can come together in unity um, and really encourage each other to deal with not only uh, the current issue at large, but also some of the underlying issues that is plaguing our community. We should note that the suspect driver's bail was initially set at $2 million. However, that decision coming down today to raise it to $9 million, so presumably some decisions to be made with the charges that are potentially coming down as early as tomorrow. Reporting live in Windsor Hills, Travis Rice, Fox 11 News.
look on at the forecast now in Marquina, I tell you, it has been so hot. The other day I stood outside and I thought, 
feel like I'm in Arizona. Yeah. <laughs> it's just so hot. Well, it's been hot for the folks in Arizona. Uh, even they are complaining about how hot it is there. Yeah, everybody definitely is getting on, on some uh, extra heat, all right, as we take a look at what's going on. We've got an area of high pressure uh, to the east of us. It's, it's moving back and forth, and that dictates what we're going to see weather-wise. So if it moves east, we start to see drier air. If it moves closer to us, we get that chance for shower and storm activity, and that is what's going to happen as we head toward the end of the week. As we get into Friday, that moisture will increase. In fact, it'll stick around through the weekend as well. So lingering monsoonal moisture is what we're going to deal with as we go through the week. Tomorrow and even today, we'll have a lesser chance of it. But again, by the end of the week, when that area of high pressure moves closer to us, we will see more showers and more storm activity as we get into the end of the week. And we'll also be watching out for flooding as we time here some of the activity that we could see today. It's not going to be much, and it's going to stay well to the east of us and in mainly the Palm uh, Springs area. But we could see some activity because we have flash flood watches or flood watches that are in effect for parts of San Bernardino and Riverside counties. But we go through later on tonight and into tomorrow. You don't see a lot of rain. You see a lot of clouds, and you'll feel that moisture in the air. Here's a look at that flood watch I was just telling you about. This goes in effect through tonight uh, until about 10 o'clock. So as we take a look at what you're going to expect over the next several days for LA and Orange County, not a lot happening here. Just a whole lot of sunshine and temperatures mainly in the upper 80s. For the valleys, you've got temperatures in the upper 90s and the low triple digits and sunshine over the next few days. And then for the Inland Empire, we are doing the same thing here. Lots of low triple digit days, sunshine, uh, clouds coming in and out of the forecast area. Maybe it'll be sunny, maybe mainly sunny, maybe partly cloudy, but the bottom line is it is going to be hot.
left behind form pathways, runways, blueprints for redefining convention and unleashing audacity. Soar beyond.
Hello? Message.
Hello? Message. suspect in the recent killings of four Muslim men in Albuquerque. A tip from the community is what helped us lead us to this subject. Authorities said an interpersonal conflict may have led to the shootings. Syed is being charged with two homicides, the killings of Abtab Hussein and Muhammad Afzal Hussein. We knew 
Albuquerque would step up and somebody would find and identify that vehicle for us, which is exactly what happened. The four killings taking place on different evenings in this section of the city, three of them in the last two weeks. On Sunday, authorities released a photo of the suspect's car, pleading for the public's help and adding a $20,000 reward for information. Today's news, little comfort for Sharif Hadi, the brother of victim Mohammed Sayyir Ahmadi. Everybody's coming to me and they're crying for him. If you lost somebody, you better give it back. The latest victim, 25-year-old Naeem Hussein, who was found dead Friday night, just hours after attending the funerals of two of the other murder victims, Muhammad Asfal Hussein and Aftal Hussein, all three originally from Pakistan. And the suspect is facing charges for the murder of two men, yet the district attorney's office says they are working with detectives on potential charges on the other two homicides. Tom? information on that hours-long search of former President Trump's Mar-a-Lago residence in Florida. With heightened security tonight, you see it right here flanking the compound. NBC News reporting the search was tied to classified material Trump allegedly took from the White House when he left in 2021. The former president claiming in a statement that the FBI broke into a state calling the search, quote, unannounced. Republicans raising questions tonight about the timing, pointing the finger at Attorney General Merrick Garland for executing the search with less than 100 days until the November midterms and fueling talk of Trump's potential bid for president in 2024. We have team coverage tonight, and our Kelly O'Donnell starts us off from Bedminster, New Jersey, where the former president is meeting behind closed doors tonight. Today's spectacle outside Mar-a-Lago. After the unprecedented inside, the home of a former president searched. FBI agents spent the majority of the day Monday executing a warrant approved by a federal judge. The FBI's access to the Trump residence and private office was coordinated with the Secret Service, according to an official who says the former president's protective detail validated the warrant and was present during the search. At least one Trump attorney was there, too. 
Today, that warrant is sealed. So details about what was taken from the Trump family quarters inside the private club remain secret for now. What we don't have right now is the affidavit to the search warrant. We don't know what they asked for, and we don't know why they asked for it. Multiple sources say the investigation is connected to classified documents. Son Eric Trump. The purpose of the raid, from what they said, was because the National Archives wanted to you know, cooperate uh, whether or not Donald Trump had any documents in his possession. The former president announced the search himself in a lengthy statement, attempting to set his own narrative. The weaponization of the justice system, he wrote, then made a reference to what happened, speaking by phone for a campaign event last night. Another day in paradise. This was a strange day. And this morning, he posted a campaign-style video. But soon we will have greatness again. And is now using the FBI search as a fundraising tool. We pursue justice without fear or favor. We intend to hold everyone, anyone, who is criminally responsible for events surrounding January 6th or any attempt to interfere with the lawful transfer of power from one administration to another accountable. That's what we do. Today at the White House, President Biden declined to react to the search of his predecessor's home. And the press secretary deferred a flurry of questions to the Department of Justice. We're just not going to comment on, on any ongoing investigations from here. We're just not going to comment on the Department of Justice investigation. Okay. All right, Kelly O'Donnell joins us now from Bedminster, where the former president is staying. And Kelly, I know you have some new reporting tonight on what the Justice Department and the FBI were looking for. Well, Tom, an attorney for former President Trump confirms to NBC News that the agents removed about a dozen boxes from a basement storage area. And those agents provided a warrant that indicated that they were looking for evidence of possible violations of the handling of classified materials and the Presidential Records Act. And that lawyers for former President Trump and the government have been in discussions since spring. And tonight here in Bedminster at his golf club, uh, not far from here, the president President is hosting about a dozen conservatives who are House members for dinner. Tom? All right, Kelly O'Donnell leading us off tonight. Kelly, thank you. We've been told that uh, they're out to kill.
of Justice Correspondent Ken Delanian. Ken, we can't lose the magnitude of this moment. Walk our viewers through how unprecedented a move this was by the Justice Department. This appears to be a first, Tom. Legal experts are unaware of any other time in history when a former president's house was searched by law enforcement agents. To get the warrant, the FBI had to convince a federal judge there was evidence of a crime inside Trump's Florida residence. But even before that, Justice Department officials had to make the decision that such a controversial move was the best way to obtain what they were looking for. Well, the DOJ is not commenting. It's all but certain this search would have been approved by the attorney general himself who decided that simply asking for the documents or demanding them with a subpoena wasn't going to work, Tom. And Ken, because the home of a former president was searched, the big question tonight is, does this mean Trump is likely to be charged? Not necessarily. It's possible this was a case of the government wanting its documents back. That said, government officials have gone to prison in the past for taking classified documents home, Tom. It's also possible that this is about a lot more than documents. Trump said he did nothing wrong and is calling the search prosecutorial misconduct. Tom? All right, Ken Delanian for us tonight. Ken, we thank you. The political fallout from the FBI search of Mar-a-Lago was immediate, with the midterm elections in less than three months and former President Trump weighing another White House run. Here's Vaughn Hilliard. The FBI search warrant is more than part of an investigation into a former president, but also a possible future one. Now we may have to do it again. We may have to do it again. Trump this weekend flirting again with the 2024 bid. And today, according to allies, only more inclined. I talked to the president just about an hour ago. One thing I can tell you is that I believe he was going to run before. I'm stronger in my belief now. But the next election up is the midterms. And the Republican strategy is clear. Stick by Trump question the Department of Justice. It's like what we thought about the Gestapo and people like that, that they just go after people. If Republicans win back the House in November, the next likely speaker, Kevin McCarthy, tweeted his plan for the DOJ. Quote, we will conduct immediate oversight of this department. Attorney General Garland, preserve your documents and clear your calendar. Even potential 2024 presidential rivals to Trump flocking to his defense. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis calling the FBI search the weaponization of federal agencies. Former Vice President Mike Pence demanding the Attorney General give a full accounting to the American people as to why this action was taken. A stark contrast to Republican reaction, including Donald Trump's to the FBI's investigation into Hillary Clinton during the 2016 presidential campaign. The FBI examined her use of a private email server and the extent to which classified material may have been unsecure on it. The FBI search of Trump's Mar-a-Lago property came just three months before this year's midterms. Primary season underway now, with a vote in Wisconsin tonight. Democrats today tried to stay focused on the passage of legislation. To create good jobs, empower workers, grow the economy. Political wins ahead of November's midterms, trying not to be overshadowed by Trump's legal battles. A source close to former President Trump who spoke with him this afternoon tells me that Trump is very happy with the response within the Republican Party over the last 24 hours, noting that most have come to his defense. Trump is known for demanding loyalty and has been taking notes on who has been out front and vocal in support of him. Tom? Okay, Vaughn Hilliard for us tonight. Vaughn, we thank you for that. We're also following some other breaking news, this time out of New Mexico. Authorities there detaining a suspect tonight in the killing of those four Muslim men in Albuquerque we told you about last night. Juan Venegas is there with the late details.
Police say they've arrested 51-year-old Muhammad Siad, identified as the primary suspect in the recent killings of four Muslim men in Albuquerque. A tip from the community is what helped us lead us to this subject and would help us eventually find the car that we put out just two days ago. Authorities said an interpersonal conflict may have led to the shootings. Siad is being charged with two homicides, the killings of Abtab Hussein and Muhammad Absal Hussein. We knew Albuquerque would step up and somebody would find and identify that vehicle force, which is exactly what happened. Four killings taking place on different evenings in this section of the city, three of them in the last two weeks. On Sunday, authorities released a photo of the suspect's car, pleading for the public's help and adding a $20,000 reward for information. Today's news, little comfort for Sharif Hadi, the brother of victim Mohammed Sayur Amadi. Everybody's coming to me. The latest victim, 25-year-old Naeem Hussein, who was found dead Friday night, just hours after attending the funerals of two of the other murder victims, Muhammad Asfal Hussein and Aftab Hussein, all three originally from Pakistan. The chief of police here says the suspect is originally from Afghanistan and came to the United States several years ago. He added he has misdemeanors on his record for domestic violence and also informed that they are working on finding possible motives for the actions. Tom? Guad Venegas, with those new developments tonight, Guad, we thank you for that. We want to head overseas now to Ukraine, where a nuclear power plant under Russian occupation is raising alarms worldwide. Shelling there has UN inspectors demanding access, one calling it completely out of control. Morgan Chesky and his team are near that plant tonight. Morgan, how dangerous is the situation there? Tom, it's dangerous. UN officials say that right now this plant as it's operating is breaking every rule when it comes to nuclear safety. We are upriver and upwind of this plant where tonight the Russian military is not budging and allowing access to inspectors to see the damage there. Now, we know about 11,000 Ukrainians have been there working under Russian control since March. And explosions in recent days forced one of those reactors to shut down. Very troubling is the fact that units that detect radiation levels have been damaged by that series of blasts and here in zaporizhia worst case scenarios already being discussed as we hear air raid sirens tonight the mayor of a town that borders that plant tells me should a worst case scenario happen and a meltdown take place his community would cease to exist Tom. All right, Morgan Chesky, you and your team stay safe tonight, Morgan. In 60 seconds, our exclusive inside the U.S. Space Command and why the military is concerned about a Russian satellite that just launched and is getting too close for comfort to an American one. That's coming up next. Were you recently injured in a car accident? Look at Uh-huh. <laughs>
Message. Hope everyone's doing well and have a good weekend.
into orbit. Here's Tom Costello. Zero. Ignition. Second in California, SpaceX launched a classified government satellite into orbit, NROL 87. State separation confirmed. Believed to be a top secret state of the art spy satellite that the Pentagon says will support its overhead reconnaissance mission. Also, watching that launch, Moscow. And just last week, Russia launched its own spy satellite, Cosmo 2558 placing it in the same orbit and just beneath the U.S. satellite. That's really irresponsible behavior. In an exclusive interview with NBC News, Space Command, four-star General James Dickinson, says Russia may be trying to get an up-close look at U.S. spy capabilities. We see that it's in a similar orbit to one of our high-value assets for the U.S. government. And so we'll continue like we always do to continue to update that and track that. This is the U.S. Basecom job with an operation in Limit Defender Conference. All conferees respond by the pool. Last week, our cameras were the first ever allowed inside the Space Command Joint Operations Center in Colorado Springs. It's at the, uh, the zenith, the very top of our space operations centers within the Department of Defense. Where the U.S. watches and tracks every missile and rocket launch anywhere in the world. From the war in Ukraine to Chinese military exercises off Taiwan to that Russian satellite launch. How quickly do they learn that something has launched somewhere in the world? We have some really good space capabilities today that will tell us almost immediately if there's been a launch. Longitude 80 degrees, 36 minutes west. This is the newest infrared satellite used to detect the heat signatures from any missile or rocket launch anywhere in the world. This is half scale. The real satellite is about the size of a school bus. Russia has uh, a similar capability with its own satellites. International satellite trackers say it's no coincidence that Russia launched its rocket at the very moment the U.S. spy satellite passed over the Russian launch site. There is a, a part of the, the current world war is also going on in space, so it, it is basically part of this get-a-mouse game uh, that's going on in space. In a show of force last November, Russia blew up one of its own orbiting satellites. And we continue today to track almost 1,500 pieces of debris from that uh, incident and that test event that they did. A new Cold War moving from the ground to space. Tom Costello, NBC News, Colorado Springs. All right, coming up next, keeping kids safe online. The new Snapchat tools for parents. Do they go far enough? Welcome back. Snapchat unveiled its first parental controls today to monitor their teens. It comes as some social media companies have fallen under scrutiny because drug dealers are using the platforms to sell to young people. We get more now from Kate Snow. For the first time, Snapchat is giving parents insight into all that time their teenagers spend on the app, rolling out a new tool called Family Center. Parents and teens between 13 and 18 have to opt in. Then parents can see who the teen has communicated with, but not what they're saying or posting. What we're really trying to do with Family Center is to offer parents insight into their teens' online behavior, to foster conversations, to develop trust between parents and their teens, how likely do you think it is that most teens will be willing to opt in? Even the question of joining Family Center will be an opportunity for a parent and a teen to talk about Snapchat, online safety, and what it means to connect with people online. 
Snapchat has existed for a decade and says it's been developing these new tools for more than a year. The company hopes Family Center will help parents with many safety issues, including one we've reported on extensively, drug dealers using social media to sell pills that often contain deadly fentanyl. This is a great start. I mean, our main goal is that this doesn't happen to any other family. Michelle and Zeke Mather lost their 18-year-old son, Max, in March 2021, just before he would have graduated from high school. Max is just a wonderful, kind, beautiful boy. He had a lot of friends. Authorities say Max bought a pill through a dealer he communicated with on Snapchat. You think you would have used a tool like this if it had existed when Max was Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. You wish they'd done it sooner? I do. Yeah, I do. Especially when, when Max was younger, um, we, you know, we would have probably been more involved. But with Snapchat, there just wasn't a whole lot you could do. I can't help but think that this is all too late for you. Yeah, uh, it is. It is. <laughs> it, is. Um, it is. However, if it could help one other family, that, that's, that's our concern right now. Snapchat says if they find someone dealing drugs, they're kicked off the platform. And when law enforcement reaches out, Snapchat cooperates fully. In the new family center, parents can report any account they find concerning, including a suspected drug dealer. I'm grateful that you're here talking to me today so that parents can, can learn about this tool and can use it and so that we can prevent future online tragedies. A goal shared by every parent. Kate Snow, NBC News, New York. That's Nightly News for this Tuesday. Thank you so much for watching. I'm Tom Goms. Have a great night.
Hello? The audacity of hope. To find hope in the midst of despair is a sacred thing born of wings we cannot remember we once had, not knowing we will have them again. To wrench joy from the jaws of unthinking degradation is a triumph beyond compare. To find solace in the swirling abyss of sorrow is as courageous an act as we might perform. To seek beauty in a massive pile of scattered dreams is cradling a tender innocence that cannot die. To find sanctuary within a crevice of noise is a display of unconscious heroism. To create within the rubble of destruction is elaborating upon the tenets of bravery. To have faith when the sky is crashing around you is to demonstrate the strengths of being more than merely human. To rise again from the grief that befell you is to succeed in gathering wisdom. To gather wisdom from such agony is a sacred thing born of wings. With casual breath, inspired by Sonnet 17 by Pablo Neruda, for my husband, written by Wanderlea Brayton with casual breath. I do not love you with casual breath, an unconscious act by which I only exist. No. I inhale your scent and am captured in flight 
a winged creature with oceans of sky to traverse, lost inside torrid thermals rising above mountainous ranges with purpose and with feasts of pure song. I do not love you when the fire wanes on the hearth, its glow fading deep into night, final sparks ascending into the realm of innocent dream. No, I embrace your warmth as we lay curled together, fluttering flames that will not cease to illuminate our surroundings with sweeter solace, scattering stars. I will not love you as the sun claims its position among billowing clouds, filtering sepia light where shadows would shiver among the trees, petals drifting as fruit becomes ripe and falls into our outstretched hands, a gentle harvest unimaginable to those who weep in their empty abodes alone with memories. I cannot love you with mere vagaries or evolutions for they could not contain the vastness of this utter delight, this burrowing beneath my bones that causes my heart to sway within its fragile folds where life burgeons forth. No, I cannot regale you only with hands or with words, for they could never define these elegant sonatas you etch upon my very soul from the simple complexities of your gaze.
effective dose of the monkeypox vaccine to one-fifth of what's been given up until now, stretching the nation's limited vaccine supply. And all this comes as cases, cases nationwide skyrocket, nearly doubling in the last two weeks. For more on what this decision means for vaccination efforts across uh, this rapidly growing outbreak, I want to bring in NBC News senior medical correspondent, Dr. John Torres. Uh, so, Dr. John, let's just drill down. What does it mean to stretch out a vaccine? So what they have found out is they can't get the vaccine out there fast enough. They don't have enough supply for what's wanted out there in the demand for the vaccine right now. And Don O'Connell, she's the Assistant Secretary for Preparedness and Response. She runs strategic national stockpiles in warehouses. She said there's 441,000 doses there right now that can be let out. That's 441,000 shots. If they break that down to five shots per mile instead, we're talking 2.2 million shots. So you can see the shots have now expanded, and they theoretically will exceed the demand for them or the need for them. So hopefully, keeping our fingers crossed, that'll happen. And Dr. John, anytime we start talking about vaccines, there's always that skepticism. There's always that concern, especially when you hear kind of a, a, a change in game plan. Do you think that this is safe, and is there any cause for concern? I definitely think it's safe, and you are getting one-fifth of a dose of what other people would get, but it's delivered a different way, and there's a little bit of science here. When you deliver it under the skin, what we call intradermally, the immune response is much more robust because there's more immune cells in that area, and so it becomes more robust. Plus, it's being delivered the same way the virus gets into the body, and so the immune system can respond much faster in that area. And so they can break it down into that one-fifth of a dose and still get the same response they got from the full dose that was delivered in the arm the normal way. And so that's what they're looking at. They actually did a study a few years ago, 150 people, small study, but they found out that one-fifth worked. And so that's why they're going with this right now. And that's the reason for the one-fifth, because you would almost assume that if they're going one-fifth as opposed to half, that must mean the monkeypox outbreak is, is extremely bad and they're expecting it to, to grow exponentially. Is, is that also true, or do they think that they may have a handle on this? Well, I think they, they want to get to that point where they have a handle on this, and I think what a lot of experts are saying is, you know, we're, we're past the stage where we can bring it back and say there's no monkeypox almost to the stage where it's going to become endemic. In other words, it's going to be here and something we have to live with. And so time will tell on that. But it's not completely out of control yet. It's not this complete pandemic like COVID was two years ago. At the same time, they want to make sure it's head in that direction. And that's why they're saying to get the vaccine in people's arms as quick as we can. We need more doses. So they're breaking it down so we have those more doses. Thanks so much, Dr. John. And still ahead tonight, the abduction investigation in California. The search intensifying for a missing 16-year-old girl. The massive reward now being offered. Plus, the murder charges handed down for that fiery crash in California. What we're just learning about the suspect's troubled driving history. And the flash star, Ezra Miller, charged with felony burglary. The latest allegations against the actor. But will it affect any of his upcoming films? Stay with us. Hey, so check it out. This is the amazing spy scope. It is a military-grade monocular that we are giving away today for free. All you have to do is cover the shipping. We're back now with the latest in that urgent search for a 16-year-old girl who went missing after a party in California. The FBI now involved as her family pleads for answers. Tonight, a continued search for a missing teen in California need you to be looking out for Kylie and Kylie's car. Not seen since Friday evening, August 5th, at a party that police say she wanted to leave. Shortly after midnight, she had verbally communicated to her friends 
that she was wanting to go home. 16-year-old Kylie Rodney was at this open area of the Prosser family campground with friends on Friday night. Our affiliate, KCRA, reporting that this is a common place for parties and speaking to her mother. Asked her to wake me up when she got home, like she always does, and she said, okay, and thanks, Mama, love you. And that's the last I ever heard from her. Her friend Sammy says she was there with Rodney, along with hundreds of other young partiers from the Bay Area to Nevada. There are people sitting in cars. There are people everywhere around this place. Authorities say they have not located her car, a silver Honda CRV that Rodney drove there. We're treating Kylie's disappearance as an abduction solely because we have not been able to locate her vehicle. And that is the only reason why. Also saying her phone either died or went out of service shortly after midnight and has been off the grid since. Rodney's family reported her missing Saturday morning. And the search now spans two states and involves coordination with multiple agencies, including the FBI. Our helicopter is out flying right now, along with the California Highway Patrol's helicopter. And so far, we haven't turned up anything. Officials and her loved ones begging for someone from the party to come forward. Rodney's mother making a desperate plea in a Facebook post from the Placer County Sheriff's Office. I want nothing more than to hug you. A website set up by family and friends announcing a $50,000 reward for information leading to her being found. But with few leads, the clock is ticking. A former FBI profiler telling NBC News that investigators must act quickly. We are not leaving any stone unturned until we find Kylie. Now, Gotti, it's important to note here that Rodney is local to the area, so it's unlikely that she would have gotten lost. But meanwhile, there's concern at this hour that witnesses may be somehow reluctant to come forward because they may have been at a gathering full of underage drinking. But police say that is not their focus right now. Their focus is on finding Rodney however they can. Gotti? Jake, thank you. And now to more legal troubles for actor Ezra Miller. The Flash star was charged with felony burglary in Vermont this week, and it's only the latest in a slew of charges and accusations against Miller. Now questions are swirling as to whether the new Flash movie will still be released next year. Stephen Romo reports. Tonight, new charges just released against Hollywood star Ezra Miller. According to a police report released Monday, the Flash star was charged with felony burglary for allegedly going into a Vermont home and stealing several bottles of alcohol back in May. The spokesperson for Miller declined to comment. It's just the latest in a string of legal troubles for the 29-year-old actor. Whoever you're looking for, it's not me. Miller, previously known for their roles in films like Justice League and Fantastic Beasts, is now also becoming known for alleged behavior off-screen. Fans were shocked in 2020 when a video surfaced appearing to show Miller choking a woman in an altercation at a bar in Iceland. Did you want to fight? Is that the deal? A bartender who witnessed the incident told NBC News Miller spat in his face several times when he intervened, so much so that spit covered most of his face. No charges were filed. Miller then had a stretch of run-ins with police in Hawaii in 2022, starting with an arrest at a karaoke bar. I claim my Ninth Amendment rights to not be unlawfully persecuted for a crime of no designation, disorderly conduct being something I am unguilty of. Police say Miller became agitated while patrons began singing, and they began to yell obscenities, grabbing the microphone out of a woman's hand, and later lunging at a man playing darts. A guy in that bar declared himself as a Nazi. I have it on film and he attacked me. How do you plead as to disorderly conduct that occurred on March 27, 2022? Guilty, not guilty, or no contest? No contest.
That case is now closed according to court documents. Separately, and later that spring, Miller was arrested for second-degree assault, refusing to leave a party when asked, throwing a chair and striking a woman on the head, according to police, who say that investigation is still active. Then a North Dakota parent alleged that Miller groomed his child, Takata, who met the actor at the age of 12 during a protest of the Dakota Access Pipeline. A court granted an interim protection order. It's unclear if that is still in effect. Takata Iron Eyes, now 18, is publicly denied being groomed and posted on Instagram that Miller, quote, only provided loving support and invaluable protection. And a Massachusetts mother was granted a temporary order of protection against Miller on behalf of her 12-year-old child. The court order said, quote, there is a substantial likelihood of immediate danger of harassment, but the order did not contain any allegations against Miller. NBC News has reached out, but neither Miller nor their representatives have commented on any of the incidents or accusations. While the allegations against the star continue to mount, Warner Brothers is still slated to release The Flash next year, despite canceling a slew of other projects. Warner Brothers Discovery CEO David Zaslav said in an earnings call just days before Miller's latest charges that The Flash was among the great DC films coming up. There's a huge media campaign right now to convince DC and Zaslav, David Zaslav of Discovery, to not air this movie, The Flash, in 2023. Stephen Romo is here now with us. Stephen, The Flash isn't the only movie he's got coming up, right? Yeah, he's got a lot of big movies coming up. Just in next <laughs> month, he's set to star as a young Salvador Dali in a biopic called Dollyland. That will have a premiere at the Toronto Film Festival, but the film festival's announcement did not actually include Miller in its list of stars. Uh, they were noticeably absent from that list, despite that being the lead role that Miller's going to play. Uh, we also did want to mention we reached out to Warner Brothers for comment on the Flash movie, and we did not hear back from him yet, but that will be so much to still watch for on this. Thanks so much, Steve. And when we come back, the water emergency in New Jersey, a massive water main break opening up a sinkhole, cutting service, and impacting hospitals. A warning tonight to residents who live in that area. Want to invest but feeling stuck? Get unstuck with Fidelity Go and automate your investing. No advisory fees under 10K, no account minimums, no need to watch the markets. Get unstuck with Fidelity Go. Smart, automated investing. Residents who live in that area. say Nicole Lorraine Lilton was driving 90 miles an hour when she ran a red light and plowed into several other cars near Los Angeles. Five people, including a woman who was eight months pregnant, were killed. She's now charged with six counts of murder. Prosecutors also say she was involved in at least 13 previous crashes. Next to the water emergency in New Jersey following a massive water main break, a new video shows a car swallowed by a sinkhole that opened up after a 140-year-old pipe burst near Newark. Many homes are now without water or with limited pressure. Oil water advisories are also in effect for more than 100,000 residents. Hospitals in the area have implemented emergency protocols, even postponing or canceling some surgeries for the day. A Mississippi grand jury has decided to or declined to indict the woman whose accusation led to the lynching of Emmett Till. 
The decision came more than a month after an unserved arrest warrant for Carolyn Bryant was found in a courthouse basement. A grand jury determined there was not enough evidence to indict her on manslaughter and kidnapping charges. This means Bryant, now in her late 80s, will most likely never be prosecuted for her role in the 14-year-old's death. And Ferrari is recalling nearly every car it's sold since 2005 over brake concerns. Federal safety regulators say an issue with flu a fluid reservoir cap could lead to a loss of brake function. At least 19 models are affected, which includes more than 23,000 vehicles here in the United States. The company will begin contacting owners starting next month. Turning now to the new parental controls on the popular social media app Snapchat, the tool is meant to help parents monitor and protect their teens, allowing parents to see who their child has recently communicated with. It comes after Snapchat has come under scrutiny, with some people using the platform to buy drugs. NBC's Kate Snow has more. For the first time, Snapchat is giving parents insight into all that time their teenagers spend on the app, rolling out a new tool called Family Center. Parents and teens between 13 and 18 have to opt in. Then parents can see who the teen has communicated with, but not what they're saying or posting. What we're really trying to do with Family Center is to offer parents insight into their teen's online behavior to...
Balance, a poem by Wanda Leah Brayton. Balance, we are ripe for the precipice, heavily laden on the cusp of virginal despair, held aloft by a single breath shared. Don't let go of my hand, and I won't let go of yours. Moments of separation slip through unnoticed until we open our eyes in the midst of what we thought was a dream and see we are falling fast with jagged Stones waiting beneath memories of what once were mountains now become hardened tears. If only our two words sighed in regret, head in hand, far too late for the salving of wounds long past the point of erasure for scars we never meant to inflict. Stop. Think before you speak. There is no going back to the moment right before the hammer, the axe, the sieve descended upon us. Graft these words to your heart and memorize their sound. They are all that stand between us and the gaping mouth of the world.